This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshway 5781, we're, we're going to talk about this Pesach, Parak Yud Dalit Pesach Aleph. Now this leads into the Psukim about the animals, what animals are kosher, what animals are not kosher. It's right after the Parsha of Irani Dachas, what happens if the majority of a city ends up doing a Vodazar, what happens to such a city. You know this Pasuk, you are children to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. you are all children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore you may not cut yourselves, nor can you make a bald spot in between your eyes, right, you know, where you put your tefillin, lames, for somebody that passed away. Now, Rashi says, Gedida is making a cut in the skin for someone who passed away, trying to make yourself feel pain for them, similar to someone who cuts, right? The Amori used to do that for the dead, and it's supposed to be, so to speak, like releasing your blood, saying, I, I'm with him, I, I feel horrible about what had happened. The Balaj River says the nations used to cut themselves not only for the dead, but for their avodah as well. That was part of the process of renewing themselves, Bad blood, good blood, getting yourself back in, that's exactly what they did. Now Rashi says that although the mitzvah is between your eyes, right, and it says bene nechem, that's not really where you can't make yourself bald. There's no real hair there, right, unless you have a one, you know, a unibrow. That's not happening. So really where it is, is the same spot where you would put your tefillin. Bene nechem is right there. But in Parshish Emor, it mentions that the Kohanim weren't allowed to shave their entire heads, that the whole heads were going to be something different. And therefore, that applies over here as well. And, you know, to make a long story short, we're going to compare those two parshas together. No Yisrael is allowed to shave any part of his head. Even though it says, Bene Nechem, it's not allowed to shave any part of his head in order, you know, to because you're sad about someone who passed away. The Maral Diskin says, the reason why the Pasuk says, Bene Nechem, even though it could have said, Bemakom Se'ar, in the place of your hair, is to show us what the Ovdi Avodazara were thinking. They made a bald spot for the dead, because the seichel is our advantage over every animal in the world. The fact that we're able to think and make decisions and do things like that, Bechira, is our advantage over the animals. That's what we are. Making that bald spot means we are no better than the animals. We have no seichel, we have no das. That's what it's trying to say. And when a person dies, we die just like animal dies. animals die. That thought process of we are no better than animals can never be said. It can never be thought. And therefore, we tell you, don't think that way. That's how the Maral Diskin says it. Ayal Shachar says, based on the Rambam, although the lush of the Pesach sounds like you used some to make yourself bald, and that means like nair, you know, the N-A-I-R stuff that you put in your head and that it takes away and they do it by, by beards, etc. Nonetheless, the, the idea is, is you're high for doing it even if you did it biyado. I mean, if you tear out your hair from your head, that still would be chayiv. That would be the same thing as making a bald spot in your head. The Mi'amloi says the halacha applies not just to men, but to women as well. Even though Isi ben Yehuda holds otherwise in the Gemara, we pass it's by men and women. Although the Gemara in Shabbos in Sanhedrin says that Rabbi Akiva did this. He tore out his hair when his Rebbe, Rebbe Eliezer, passed away and he cut his skin. That's different. He was not mourning the death of his Rebbe. He was mourning himself that he didn't learn everything he wanted to learn from his Rebbe. He was so upset at himself that he didn't go up and ask all of his Shilas before his Rebbe passed away. And therefore it was mutter because he's not going crazy about the dead. He's going crazy about the loss of Torah that he had had at that time. That's mutter. 
but otherwise it's going to be elsewhere. Now, Rashi says this, these things are forbidden to do. Why? Because you're children of Hashem. You have to look beautiful. You have a job. And in your, this world, your job is to look good as a Yid. You have to be a Jew who looks good. You have to look like a prince, not cut up and bald all over the place. That should be the person, right? That you look good, you make yourself look as good as you possibly can. The, by the way, that does not mean that somebody who's bald is not beautiful. I'm just trying to be clear about that. That means, right, because Michael Jordan and other people obviously are very, very good-looking dudes, right? We, we have no question about that, just in case he's watching. But what we are, what we do have is, is that when somebody, like, makes himself with a bald spot here and a bald spot there and a bald spot, like, almost like a leopard spot all over his head, that would look extremely ugly. That's what I mean when I say bald, bald over here. I'm not talking about somebody who's completely bald on their head because they've lost their hair. Berba said, it says, even though normally we say, right, beauty, right, is nothing. Why do we care about beauty itself? It still could be that it's the Tzalav Kim that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. This is what Hashem made us look like. And therefore, we have to make ourselves look as good as we can in the body and the face that we have. That's our job. Rabbi Yitzhak Zobershin used to tell Yungalite, you know, Kolo Yungalite as well as Yeshiva Bachram, right, that this is a serious chiv nowadays. This is not something that you could just take for granted. You're supposed to look good, especially in Eretz Yisrael, when people that are irreligious, unfortunately, are always out to knock down the religious Jews. If they don't look good, then it looks bad on all of Haredi Jews. And if a guy is walking around with a schlubby shirt, right, he's got stains all over, right, and everything looks horrible, he's got tears and whatever it is, they're going to look at it and say, like, oh, that guy. That's what it's going to look like. And a yeshiva bachar should never look that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if he's a revival big though. Let's say you're not a Talmud Chacham, but you're dressed like a Yid. So you know what I'm saying? Like, so that's the other, that. So then the other, uh, I guess, the counter-argument to that is, but does wearing, uh, you know, 18th century or 17th century Polish aristocratic garb... Depends on what it looks good? like. Hold on. Have you seen River Frying Tversky? So I'm just saying, he, he looks amazing. Even though he's wearing Polish garb from the 18th century. The guy looks absolutely amazing. I would buy that thing in a second if it looked normal on me. Yeah, I just hey, don't look normal. No, the Yumtif one. The Yumtif one. I'm just saying the Yumtif one. He, he looks amazing in that. that. That's what I'm saying. Like, whatever you're going to wear, if you want to, you're supposed to stay distinct. And that's 100%. You have to be distinct in a way. But make yourself look good. At least make yourself look in a, in a proper fashion so you look in so a certain way. So whatever it is, if you, if you, if you subscribe to that, that point of view, you're saying that it should be clean and proper. It's got to be clean and proper. Yeah, yeah. Don't wear something that makes you look bad when it comes down to it. There was a, listen, one of my sons had a, had a jacket that he was wearing in yeshiva. The thing had like a massive stain, like right there like a coffee stain or whatever like you gotta clean it it's like nobody's gonna see me I'm like that's not the point that's not the point it looked absolutely horrible right it wasn't it wasn't this good right it, it looked absolutely horrible like what are you supposed to do Shavitz Zoberstein says this is funny because this is Repinchas Ben Yoyer says this is involved in the line that Repinchas Ben Yoyer had the whole list that brings you up to eventually to be able to get to the level of Nevia etc right he said Zahirus leads to Zrizus and Zrizus leads to Nikias now Nikias is really Nikia Das to my clear your mind of any wrongdoing and to be able to knock yourself out from anything that's bad. But it could be that Nikias is also the literal being clean. It could be that that's what it's referring to over here, and therefore a person has to work on himself. It could even be, this is why Yosef Atan did what he did by Ishes Potiphar and in Potiphar's house. He, he, he wasn't trying to make himself look good for himself. He was making himself look good because he knew he's at Salam al-Kim. He wanted to make an impression, and he did. He made an impression. Unfortunately, it was a bad impression on Zuleika, but it was an impression. Rav Sternbach says this is exactly what we have to think before we do something wrong. Because people see us, they know we're wearing kippahs. You want to yell at the guy who just cut you off? 
right? And you got your kippah on your head. I'm not saying take off your kippah because you can't take off your nose, right? See, they still know that you're Jewish. So there's not much you can do, right? Just think about that for a second. Do you really want to be that guy? Do you really want to be that person who's making that impression upon other people? Do you really want to be that way? And that's the idea behind it. We know that our neshama is unfortunately caked with filth, the stuff that we picked up from this world. But even our bodies, you don't want your bodies to take on that more animalistic look. The Arizal was able to see a person's deeds from his face, looking at his forty, he was able to tell what the person did in his lifetime. And that's how far, how, how it should be for us physically, that everything should be something a little bit different, that you should look in that way. Now, the Shemi Shmuel says, cutting up oneself or making yourself look ugly because someone close to you has passed away, right? That concept makes it seem that the person feels the deceased is no longer with them on any level. And that means like he's gone forever. And therefore I'm cutting myself, I'm taking off my hair because I can't believe I'm never going to have anything to do with them ever again. And that, says the Shemi Shmuel, is kfira. That's kfira. It's not true. The neshama is still around. The goof is gone. But the goof is secondary to the person's neshama. The neshama may not be able to manifest itself in this world, but that doesn't mean it's gone. It is connected to you, and it will always remain connected to you in some way, shape, or form, right? The purpose of the body is to serve the soul while it's here. But when someone dies, the neshama no longer needs the body. So when a person is cutting themselves and overly mourning over somebody that passed away, that means he doesn't understand that death is just another part of life. And I mean that honestly, where a person is saying, you're allowed to mourn, not just allowed, you are required to mourn. You're required to cry, as we'll see from the Ramban later. You're required to. But overly mourning, excessive mourning, takes away from the concept of, but the neshama. That's what we have to think. We have to think, but there's still a neshama, and that's why we don't go too far. Rapersh says that there is no one in this world in whom you should be so absorbed with that you feel like you have no value if they pass away. There is no one in this world that should be like that. I love my wife, I love my kids, I love my parents, I love my family completely. But there is no one in this world that we're allowed to be completely absorbed with that if they're gone, I can't go on. That's not allowed. You're allowed to love them to pieces. But after, if chas v'shalom, something happens, then a person must turn the next page. Because a Kaddish Baruch Hu has a plan for it. Your love for a Kaddish Baruch Hu must exceed that love you have for your family. And that's hard to say sometimes, but that is a chiv, that is exactly what we're supposed to do. That's where Hirsch puts it. Of course you have to have love. Of course you're supposed to have that. But you should always feel like there's something different. What Hashem wants from us is something else. Even if you can't understand it, even if there's nothing to understand it, Ibn Ezra in the Chizkuni adds that a Kaddish Baruch who loves you more than a father loves his children. He would never want to punish you at all. There are things that a Kaddish Baruch who does to us which seem unquestionably unfair, right, and very, very harsh, but that's only because we have no clue what's going on. We can't define how this world works. We have no idea how this world works. We're like babies in our parents' arms where the parent is making all the decisions and the baby has nothing. There's nothing you can do. We have to know we are not going to be treated as the other nations are treated. And therefore we can't act the way they act. We can't eat the way they eat. We can't do what they do. We have to eat, act, become different because we're different. We're banim atem l'ashem elokeichem. So as Rashi says, it's a beauty thing. We're children of Hashem. We have to show that beauty. The way the Ibn Ezra and the Chizkuni are saying it is, do you really think that Hashem is out to get you? Do you think he's a vindictive, you know, just a God who's trying to destroy all of us, completely against all of us? That's not what a Kaddish Baruch Hu is. 
their father, so, so to speak, they should see that they're, you're like that. And amazingly, I, I think this is 100% true, the way the Chizkuni says, right, in Ibn Ezra, is they say, you have to eat differently and you have to act differently when people die. And thus, the two ideas of you can't cut yourselves and you can't tear off your head. And right after this, we get into Kashras. Tell me, I, I don't know if I'm right about this, but I asked my wife and, I, and she agreed with me on this. The two things, two laws that Jews are the most known for is eating kosher and mourning the dead and sitting shiva. Think about that for a second. Are there other laws that we have? I know Shabbos, Brismila. but even, uh, Brismila is awesome as well. And I was thinking about that, but not by woman. And Pesach. So it's like that. But I'm saying, forget about religious Jews for a second. Even non-religious Jews have a con- kosher concept and a shiva concept. Does that apply in other ways? I, th- I thought Passover Seder. That's Passover, what I was thinking. Also, the, all, all, all Jews do the, the high holiday, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, always. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know if I want to go into time. Let's go into, like, let's say mitzvos when it comes to mitzvos. Maybe you're right. Maybe fasting on Yom Kippur is a good one. Fasting on Yom Kippur. Pesach Seder, I didn't want to count that as a technical mitzvah because it deals with the Passover Seder itself. I don't know. But for sure these two, everybody agrees with this, though. If you talk about Jews and their laws, probably in the top five of what people will think of is kosher and shiva. That's like two... I'm sorry? If we play Family Feud, which we are planning on doing, right? So if we do that, like the Nussbaums, right? So if we do that, then all of a sudden that should be, that should be our way. And I think that's exactly what he says. We have to be different. And these are the two things mentioned over here, yeah. Hanukkah is for sure number one. I don't think so at all. Because Vice President Kamala Harris lit one. Why do you think this political? Why? Why? Now, we love all people. There's certain people more than others, but Das Zikain and Bechor Shor, the Paneach Raza, the Rechaim Paltio, Rav Yosef Cairo, that's the Baal Shochanor, Chizkuni and the Rosh, use this as a literal translation. Even if one's father passes away, a person still has a father with a, you know, uppercase F that will always be there for him and therefore you will never be orphaned at all. Yes, chas v'shalom, a person loses their parents. It's a horrible thing. It's the worst thing in the world. But again, the thought process has to be, this is how the Rishonim puts it, right? Your thought process has to be, but I still have a father. But I still have a Kaddish Baruch Hu in charge. I still have a Kaddish Baruch Hu above us. On the other hand, the other nations of the world do not. The other nations do not have a father. They have a God. But they don't have a father. He's not the, tr- the father of those children. We are the children and they are not. Their father is made of wood and stone and can do, do nothing for them. Is that only the Ovdev, the Zara? Yeah, Ovdev. I mean, no, I would say all nations. We are the Banim. So there's something different. Whatever they are, but they're not in the level of Banim. Call them Avadim or whatever it is. Now, there is a question because in certain places we're called B'ni B'chori Yisrael. We're all the firstborn. It sounds like all the other nations are Banim, just we're the firstborn and they're the Banim. It's a question. The Paris Yosef talks about it. He brings a whole long thing behind it. There are two psukim that seem to indicate that B'ni Yisrael are the B'chor and not, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a great riot. But it is a crazy idea. But listen to this. When Nachum Zev of Kelm, when Nachum Zev was, of Kelm was about to pass away, he was still very young. He told his unmarried daughters that even if he does pass away, he doesn't worry about what's going to be with them. I don't worry about you guys getting married, he told his daughters, whatever it is, because you used to be the children of a man. Now you're the children of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Your father, will, your new father will take care of everything. That's a great story. That's a really, really great story. Because you now you're, you're losing me as your father, but you have another father. Rav Shlomo of Karlin used to say this, Rav Aaron's son, the, greater, the greatest sin 
is when a person forgets he's the son of the king. That's the greatest sin that a person could have. That you forgot you're the son of a king? How could you forget that you're the prince? How could you forget that? That's ridiculous. That's the concept that we have to have for ourselves. Okay, so that's so far. We have three answers so far as to why you're not allowed to do this, this thing. We have Rashi, we have the Ibn Azra and the Chizguni, and then we have all the other Rishonim. Now, the Ramban tour in the Moshe of Zikanim says, this mitzvah was first mentioned by the Kohanim, that such a thing would be machalo deravoda. If they would go ahead and cut themselves or make themselves bald when somebody passed away, it would be machalo deravoda if they did it. But the truth is, this mitzvah applies to all of Klai Yisrael, and that's why it's mentioned over here that we have to be careful to make sure. It seems that this mitzvah applies to someone who does this when their relative dies. But then Rashi's idea of you have to look beautiful doesn't stand up for that. Because if it's an idea of you can't cut yourself or make yourself bald because you got to make yourself look good, what does that have to do with somebody passing away? Even if nobody would pass away. Forget about anybody. If nobody would pass away, you're not allowed to make yourself look ugly. That's a chiyuv, right? If you're then make sure you look good. You can never make yourself bald. That's how the Ramban asks on it. He says, it doesn't make any sense to me. Instead, he seems to say a little bit more like the Sforno. Hashem promised us as children, we're going to receive a special spot in Olam Abba. And therefore, you can't overly mourn someone who died because where do you think that person is? Kol Yisrael Yishlam Chelek Olam Abba. Yes, mourn, cry, do everything you can in a normal fashion. But overly so, again, he's got a neshama, like the Sforno said before. Yeah. So two questions. First one I was going to say is, very specific about the marking, you know, on your head, yeah. pulling out your hair where it is, and also on the cutting. No, no, thing. but we know from Kohanim that it's everywhere, so it applies everywhere. Okay, so and then also with the cutting thing, does that apply to tattoos, the other markings? No, 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 tattoos is a totally different. Why is it specifically cutting? Why t- when somebody gets a tattoo, it's uh, what they did. Again, according to the Menchus and the Rambam, say for Amitzos, is because that's what they did for the dead back then. They used to cut themselves. It was a way of releasing their pain. So you're not. So if you get a tattoo in memory of somebody who died, you're over on the. Tattoo love, but you're not over on this one. Mm, that's an interesting call. I don't know what this would be when it comes to Gedida. I don't know if tattoo is the same status of Gedida. I would assume, yeah, because that's how they do it, right? They cut into the skin and they well, place I mean, ink. It's a tattoo. I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, I think so. Isn't there a Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looks, uh, um, the, the, it's, it's later on next week's partial. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even so, even so, I'd like, I'd like, I mean, you tell me the next funeral that you go to where they're like, well, you know, (laughs) somebody has to go down there. Like, that doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It doesn't happen. Like, everybody, you can find something good about literally everyone. So I I honestly, I obviously, I have no clue how a Kaddish Baruch is going to deal with things in Olam Hab, you know, when it comes to that. But at the end of the day, no one thinks that way. I mean, again, it's like, what are you supposed to say at the end of the day? Like, everybody feels that way. I I haven't. I'm yet to go to a funeral where they're just like, I tried. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing there. We, everybody has something. So I'm going to go with Kol Yisrael Yishlam Chilak Olam Even those that are the chutzes of the Gemara and Sanhedrin, we have to understand how that works, and we don't know. We'd have to go with, you know, the, say, assume that this person is going to be on the level. I'm sorry, same thing, I think. I think. You're not related. You're not related, and we know that. But, obviously, you treat him as your father, right? Then that status of you treating him as a father, there's going to be something. If you're a father, you're saying that you're not, you're not considered a if, Wait, man, you so converted, or, or at least you're Jewish, right? No. Your no, no, new no, father, no, father is a Jewish, the mother's Jewish. That's fine. So, you have a new father, but your father is still 
something. So you have to understand, a Kaddish Baruch has a plan for him, whatever that plan is. Maybe you'll get a schus that the child ended up, you know, being a from Jew. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's like anything else. It's a love, right? We're going to warn you beforehand not to do it. But if you do it anyway, right, out of whatever it is, then it could be an onus. It could be in the level of an onus. But like anything else, like any other love that we have out there. Now, it's interesting, by the way, um, the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar echoes the idea that Surachayim, the Malbim says the same. The Maloa Omer adds that death in our world is to get rid of the filth that cakes around the Neshama. Like we mentioned before, the soul becomes purified, eventually surrounded by the Kusnos or the clothing of light that Reb Meir had in his Torah. The body is then purified completely. It waits to be brought back to the Neshama and Tchiyas Mesim. We were chosen to be part of that as his children. We are promised Tchiyas Mesim. We're told we're going to have this concept. And that's what we have to be. And again, the Ramban says crying is mutter. Crying is natural. This is a normal thing because we miss them. Forget about the fact, like, I know where the Neshama is and I know that the Neshama is being rewarded. I know there's Olam Haba. I have no question about that, but I still miss that person. I would, well, not me, because I only cry during the Lion King, but, like, I would cry when, you know, Fasa dying is a sad thing. Everybody understands that, right? It's been a long time, but that was, that, that, that was Bambi, that's a Bambi. tearjerker. Right, Bambi, yes, 100%. Any Disney movie, because all the parents die, like anything, right? So either regardless, this idea, the Ramban says, it, 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 it's normal. Normal. This is absolutely normal. I'm, a, I'm upset when my daughter goes out, you know, to, goes out somewhere. It's totally different. But excessive mourning, that becomes an issue. And the Abarbanel adds, not only is that true, it, it would be like one limb is hurting, right, if you excessively mourn. It's like one limb is hurting, so the rest of the body feels the pain and also feels like it's missing something. The closer you are to the person that you passed away, you obviously feel more of that loss. That's why we allow normal crying and mourning. What are you supposed to do? Like, Enechanami, it's only my finger. But, like, my whole body is racked with pain. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have, think of a paper cut. You know, there's, like, awesome pains that come in, like, one second. You're just like, oh, my gosh. It's, like, the greatest pain of all time. But your whole body feels it, even though it's isolated to right over here. That's okay. If that happens, that's allowed to be that way. Everyone knows that concept. Yeah, Sean, one more time. One more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have a chiv to mourn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I should say, you're right. He says it's mutter, but the fact is, it's required to mourn. You, you have a chiyuv, and it's a mitzvah del raisa. Okay, I don't want to say b'chiyuv, you're right. Haspedim, which would lead to crying. Right, that, is, that would be a chiyuv. Right, that would be a chiyuv. There's no one that understands this better than Avram Avinu, and even Avram Avinu cried for Sarimenu. I, I want you to think about that for a second. Even he was able to cry for Sarimenu, and if that's possible, then it should be for everybody, yeah. So... No, they were allowed to cry, and they had to cry for 30 days. There was no chiv to excessively cry. There was no chiv to do it more than everything else. What do you mean he didn't do anything? Oh, by the Yidom Aro, you mean by Nadim and Aviyu. Totally different issue. That's a totally different issue. A coin gadol has to be different. A coin gadol is, is not allowed to show any emotion. I know, but it's, this is his job. At, at a certain point, that job is to be above everything in this world. Your mindset and your whole body has to be in Olam Haba. You're living in the Kodesh HaKadoshim your whole life. That's a great call, though. Exactly on Olam Haba if he felt. But by Yidam, he accepted it. 
And he was also worried about what Nadav Naviyu to be able to die at that level. He was worried about them. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu had to go up to him and say, don't worry, they were greater than us, which allows them to go to Lom Habad. They would be somewhere up there. Sforno says, a couple mushals here. Sforno says a mushal to someone who had a relative die and yet had a more of relative that he's more close, he's closer to who's alive and well. Although you mourn the relative who passed away, you're still happy to be alive because the special person is still close to you. I've got something there. For this reason, there's a Kaddish Baruch Hu and the person that passed away. I'm cl- I have to think of myself as closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu than that person who passed away. That's the way that a person can get out of excessive mourning. The Orchayim Kaddish says it can be seen by a different mushal. Father sent his son to a city that was far away to do business and remained out of contact with him for many, many years. At some point, the father sent the son a message and asked him to return to his old hometown. The child is not really gone, right? He's just no longer in the city where he once did business. So all the people right over there, and in fact, that's good for the child because he's going back to the Makor Chaim to his source of life. So we should never cut ourselves or doing anything else when the child dies. He's going back to where he belongs itself. Now, although that muscle might seem a little confusing, the Surah Amor brings it from the Zohar, and he says it a little bit differently from the Orachim HaKadosh. A prince get it? A prince was once sent to a city to be raised properly, and the whole city loved him. Eventually, the king said, it's time. He's got to become, he's come back and take over this part of the kingdom. Not take over the king. That would be Yashka, and that's a horrible thing to say. Okay, that would be a bad muscle. But he has to take over this part of the kingdom itself, becoming the new king of that area. When he prepared to leave, the whole city mourned him, right? But one smart man got up and said, why are we crying? He's now the king over our entire kingdom. We should be happy that we have him. Right? That's what we have. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was telling the people. Don't worry about anyone who passed away. They're now for you. They're helping you. They're able to be that Meili Tiyoshur and Shemayim. They're there for you. The Chidah says that's the reason why it says La Mes in our Pasuk. La with a Komat, not with a Patach, not with a Shva. The Pshat is, it's like La Mes. Like he didn't die. You have to consider it like he didn't die, and that's the way you mourn. And then you say, but La Mace, he's not really dead to us. He's still around, he's still there for us the entire time. The Kilakar says when a king takes something out of his treasury for himself, I'm, I'm sorry, takes something away from himself and places it in his treasury, it's no longer accessible to the people around him, right? But it's not gone forever, it's just in the treasury. And that's the reason why we have to worry about this or not worry about this at all. The neshama is there. It's just in the treasury of the king. And at any point, it can come back. It's there. The Kliyakar also talks about the tears that a person cries for an Adam Kasher and Kufei Amabez and Shabbos, right? That has passed away. It's based in Azov. It's a tikkun for them. So that's an awesome thing. But nonetheless, Rav Hanach of Alesk, he was the son-in-law of the Sarmi Bells, had a mitig never to make any hosafos before Shishi. Right? In other words, Shishi was always Shishi, and then if they had to make Hosafos, they would do it after Shishi. And he added Aliyah. So they, if they had to do anything, that's what they would do. Right? So Amparshis Re'e, in the year 5644, he told his Gabe to make Hosafa so that the sixth Aliyah started with Banim Atem Lashem He wanted to start with this Pusuk right over here. No one understood why. But then he passed away that week. And everybody understood. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew do not mourn me excessively. Don't mourn me more than anything else. He took the Aliyah to understand that you're supposed to mourn, but don't go overboard for anything that happens right over here. Now, the Rechaim Paltiel and the Torah Mord wonder the Smichos Aparshios and the plural Lashon and the single Lashon. We're not going to go into that right now. Rechaim Eliochaim, the Rav of Luj, one time he met an officer of the king. He was trying to get a certain law, you know, out of the, you know, I, I don't know what happened. You know, what these laws that get passed, were, the Jews were upset about it. So he went to him and he spoke to him, etc. The officer was very impressed with the Rav's regal bearing and the way that he talked and how he asked to get rid of the thing, etc. So he was extremely happy. And he told him, it's too bad you were born a Jew. If you were born a Christian, you could have merited becoming the Pope. That's what he told this great rabbi. 
So the Rav smiled at him and said, you're upset that I'm a Jew. You should be upset that you're not. He said, the highest level a Christian can get to is to a Pope to take the place of the Son of God. But I am a Jew. As a Jew, I'm already on that level. I am the Son of God. Isn't that interesting? So he told them, I, I'm, I'm already there. I know that technically goes with that story that we had up above. I don't know why I put it over here. I, but, but, but that's the that. Story? No, 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 the one-liner. <laughs> the one-liner of Shlomo of Karlin. The worst thing that a person can do is to forget that he's the prince. How could you forget that? In Kiddushin, Lama Vavam and Aleph, Yudah says, only if you keep mitzvahs properly are you called Banim Lashem. If you do mitzvahs the right way, Banim Lashem Hashem Lekeichem. But the Meshech Chochmah, the Meshech Chochmah says, this is Rabbi Yudah Lashitaso. He holds that Smuchen applies in Mishnah, Mishnah Torah, in Sefer Devarim. And right before this, the apostle says, That's Rebbe Yudah's line. So if you do the right things, then you're called Bani Lashem Elokeichem. That's all good. But Rameir argues, no matter what a Jew does, you're always considered a son of Hashem, based on the Pesukim and Hoshea Perak Beis. That's how the Meshachach puts it. The Torah Lateva says, maybe that's why we give tzedakah to Rameir Balanes. Everybody knows Rameir Balanes, right? The tzedakah for Rameir Balanes. Because even when people don't do the right thing, Rameir argues you're still Banim Lashem Elokeichem. Rabbi Yudah holds you're out. <laughs> For Rameir, he holds you're Banim Atem Lashem Elokeichem no matter what you do. You're being Makai in that mitzvah. That's amazing. Rebel Chana Wasserman points out the Nishmos Dalit Chavbez. It sounds like we're the firstborn of Hashem, like I said before. But the other nations are still children, just not that. The answer is that this puzzle refers to the non Jews before Matan Torah. Then they were considered children of Hashem. But after Matan Torah, when they said no, they are no longer children of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. The estranged, I don't know, Avadim of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He goes on a little bit, but that's the amazing idea over here. There's another drasha that's brought in this Pasuk in Yevamis Yud Gimolamabes. Here's what it says. Lo sase agudos agudos. Lo sis godidu, right, is you cannot make different groups, batidinin, in one city paskening two different things. Now, obviously, that's Akasha. Here in Chicago, obviously, we're not a huge city, but we have a CRC based in, and we have, first, we have the Agudas Yisrael based in. We have two different Pati Din in the city. There is absolutely no question they paskin differently, especially when it comes to COVID. So there, there are definite Psukim that are different from one another. What are, you, what are you doing? Why are you allowed to do this? They use this in Eretz Yisrael. You're not allowed to wear tefillin on Cholamoid in a shul in Eretz Yisrael. You go in, they're going to kick you out. Because Lo Sasso Agudas Agudas. We don't we don't care about that here. Some people wear tefillin, some people don't. It's whatever your minig is, you're allowed to go in. But lo tasu agudus agudus. We have to wonder, what does this mean? Is this a chiyuv? So the Mizrahi, Rabbi Leo Mizrahi says, it's a drasha ba'alma. It's just a drasha. But it doesn't have any bearing in pshat in the Pasuk. It's not actual pshat. It's just a drasha. But the Gurari says, no, this is why the Pasuk changed its wording from Srita in Parsha Zemur to Gedida over here, because both of these are absolute true drashas. And he says the following, he says, cutting your skin separates the different parts of body from one another. Paskining different things in court separates the city from one another so that they're no longer connected. And that's the connection. That's the idea behind it. Losis Godidu is connected to a beast in tearing things apart versus, or just like, Tearing different parts of the body apart. Then it says, under from the Pasuk, children typically follow one path that their father made for them and they don't go off and deviate. That's the idea. You have to go straight. The Shemi Shmuel says, but there's a difference. And this is a really, really important line. 
obviously, different people are going to need different laws and customs. There is no way we can expect everyone to be cookie cutters. Even within the Hasidic Velt, where everybody seems to be doing the same thing. Everybody's wearing seemingly the same thing, right? And everybody's doing the same thing when it comes to davening, learning, etc. But it's not true. We know that's not true. There's no way you can consider two Hasidim completely alike because they're obviously completely different in their mindsets, in what they do and how they act, etc. There's a difference. Just like there's idea by a person crying when a person passes away. When people argue over a certain law and they cannot find common ground, that stems from a lack of unity. That's an inability to understand the other person's viewpoint. I get me, I don't get you. And that's a problem. Because if I get me and I don't get you, that means you can never find common ground. Because every time when they try to say something and they want to go in between, let's go in the middle, let's figure out the middle. There is no middle ground. Because I'm right and he's wrong. Right? So there's no way for me to... If I... If I Come, let's say, like, I'm going to say, like, okay, you know what? I'll compromise. I'll go right in the middle. Then that means that I'm essentially taking a wrong answer into account. And that's problematic. That's really problematic. What must be understood is that everyone has the same root in their neshama. This is how he's understanding the Shem Yishmol, even if their bodies are different. The physical differences, again, getting back to the cutting, can lead to different needs and could lead to fights even between different factions. But if you concentrate on the spiritual root where you're trying to there, then it could allow for everyone to appreciate the other side and understand both sides. Now, obviously, that becomes dangerous. How far do you go when it comes to that? How far do you accept a person's spiritual needs? I also want to have spiritual needs, but that person doesn't believe in God. That person is holding on some, holding of something which is absolutely halakhically incorrect. I don't mean like a heter, like Chol of Yisrael being a heter or something like that. I don't mean that. Like, of course I can accept something. I'm talking about, right, I'm talking about a thing that's against an actual halacha. The person is totally against halacha and there's no one on their side. There's no but Rav Moshe says or but Rav Shlomo Zalman says. There's no one on that side. For example, let's just say driving on Shabbos. There's no heter for that. There's no way I can find somebody who's just like, yeah, but it's okay because they need to, whatever it is. Who? No, no, no. I mean, like driving on Shabbos to get to Shul, let's say. Right? There's no such thing. In that case, we can't compromise. Okay, we'll compromise. We'll take a bus. We'll get one bus to take everyone so there. No, no, no. We don't compromise in that case. So I'm saying a former conservative would take this argument and say, you know, we should come to a compromise. Right, we should come to a compromise. And in that case, that's where we say, Losi Skodidu. No, 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 no. There's no compromise in a situation like that because we can't find common ground with someone who's not going to believe in the t- tried, tested, and proven Torah that we have. That, that absolutely not. We still have the Mesorah. You want to say in a Chumrah where a person will get along and say, will get up and say, I hold, and this could be legitimate, that Shabbos doesn't start until Tzisa Kochavim. Okay? We hold until Shkia in America. But Rabbeinu Tam, 72 minutes and we don't want that. Right before, whatever it is. Right? I hold that Shabbos doesn't start until 60 minutes after Shkia based on Rabbeinu Tam Shita. Okay, I can hear that. I can hear that. And then we'd have to see, okay, how can we do this in one city? And what do we do when some people are keeping Shabbos and Shkia, some people not? What do we do in a situation like when the Satmarov came to America for the very first time and he's keeping Rabbeinu Tam Shabbos, which is 24 hours, and Ramosha had to tell him, Ramosha had to send a message, we keep Shkia to Tzais. We keep Shkia to Tzais. Because again, according to this Tzais of the Rabbeinu Tam, Shkia is much later. It's a different Shkia. That already, okay, you can find ways and that's fine. We can figure out things to be able to do. That's something. And this says the I mean, Balaturim. But I mean, in his, in his, his, 
historically, even observant Orthodox quote unquote Jews did not get along like that. No, I'm, I'm not. Yes, lo sisko to do is that we can't allow such things to happen. That's where the law comes into play. We I mean, can't like, allow such things to happen. Like, yeah, each other up. Yeah, I, I don't find that to be... Again, you're dealing with, like, individualized, like, certain whatever it is, you know, where people are probably yelling at each other and they were emotionally involved. I'm talking about, like, arguments halakhically of what people can do and what people can say. And, may, therefore, how a Bayesian acts. A great example would be the CRC and the Agudas Yisrael. They obviously argue about certain cases, about certain halakhos and certain ways of doing things. There's no question whatsoever. The Eruv, for example, is one thing that would be an argument between how Agudas Yisrael looks at something in the CRC. There's certain heterim that the CRC uses that the Aguda wouldn't have, and there are certain heterim that the Aguda has that the CRC wouldn't use, etc. There, there are certain things that they have, but nonetheless, they work together. They do what they can. They do what they have. I was at a Garris this week of, with one CRC rabbi and a Gudasi Stroll rabbi and myself. I don't consider myself anything, so like, I'll be like the, I was the layman who got to be along with them. Right? But it's two that work together to be able to be there, even though they normally wouldn't be there. And guess what happened? And there was a Shiloh about the bracha that had to be made, etc. Right? So one of the rabbis was Mechabed, the other rabbi, and said, you make the bracha. I was the youngest one there. So he said, you make the bracha. He said to the other person there. He said, we hold that such a bracha is a Shiloh. So it would be better to me if you would make the bracha. You hear that? That's the way to do it. I mean, he's not saying that like, we hold that we don't make that bracha. He's not saying it that way. He's saying, look, we hold that I wouldn't be, it's not lechachila for me to make this bracha. So it's better if you hold this lechachila that you make the bracha instead. And I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> but the idea behind that is just that's the way you argue. That's the way you go through things without the emotions involved. Ramosha Feinstein says if we're not allowed to injure or cut ourselves for someone that passed away, then we should understand why we should not have factions either, some doing one thing and some doing the other, which is a chavala and a korcha in our ruchnias. The same idea that the Shemish Mola is saying. We have to look good, but even more so, we have to act good. We have to act in the right way. The Chavetz Chaim was once asked by someone why Hashem needs both Hasidim and Misnagdim, as you just said, right? Why do you need both? Even the Hasidim themselves have different factions within themselves, some concentrating on davening, some on learning, some whatever, right? So why is this all necessary? Why couldn't it be that we all have one Nusuch with one basic form of tefillah and everyone remains the same? So the Chavetz Chaim gave a brilliant answer, and I think this really sums up everything we've been saying over here. He said, I'll give you a mushal. The Russian Tsar has many different types of soldiers. Some are foot soldiers, some are horsemen, some are expert sharpshooters, others know how to fly planes, drive tanks, work on boats. Shouldn't there be one general in charge of them all? Why is all this necessary? Just have one guy, you can do all that. And the answer is no. Each of these soldiers was, was raised with a certain expertise which is necessary without which the Tsar would be at a disadvantage. He needs them to be specialized in their special avodas. Everybody needs to have their thing. And if you had a guy who's an expert in planes becoming a foot soldier, you're wasting him. Why would you do that with him? The same applies with the war on the Yitzhahara. Every single person has a particular set of skills that is necessary to bring the Yitzhahara down. And we're not all the same. That's why we need everyone. And if he didn't have everyone, then the Yitzhahara would get a hold of us and destroy us completely from within. Isn't that a beautiful thought? It's a really beautiful thought. And hopefully, this is as close that, you know, for a uh, for a Elias Neshama to Chaim, um, I can't remember, Chaim Yitzchak Ben Shmaryahu, that uh, he should have his Neshama should have an Aliyah. He's a man of peace who just passed away this week, my wife's grandfather. That, uh, that's the idea behind it, to be able to make peace, even if you don't necessarily agree with the other person, but to be able to make peace from one to the other. Have a good job, everyone.